Welcome to the Leadership Mindset Podcast with me, Tony Brooks, where we look to revolutionize your leadership mindset by changing how you think and see your world, enabling you to do the right things and grow significantly as a leader. Welcome back to the Leadership Mindset Podcast series. And today we're turning the tables, actually. It's going to be me who's being interviewed by the wonderful Helen Packham who you've probably heard me speak about often in the past, but Helen's been working as my, well, she started as my speaking coach. She's been working as my coach in a very broad sense for over a year now and um, has been helping me work on my new book, Survival Psychology, which is coming out on April the 11th. In fact, Helen was one of the, uh, kindly offered to be one of the 11 test readers. So uh, that was really great of her. And thought it'd be interesting to just turn the tables today and share some thoughts from the book, but more about the process of putting the book together so that if you're interested in the book, great. Um, but also if you're on a journey of writing your own book, then it may well offer some insights to help you on that journey as well. So welcome, Helen. Thank you for having me, Tony. I'm really enjoying being in this position today. <laughs> <laughs> Good. And you've got your new podcast series launched at the start of this year as well. It's launching next Monday, yeah, so. Ah, okay. Exciting yeah. times, exciting times. Yeah. So I'm going to hand over to you then, Helen. Well, I think the first question, which, you know, anybody who is interested in reading your book and wanting to write their own book as well, is what? where did this start for you? What made you actually want to write this book? Oh, I'll put, I'll put a long story as short as I can there. <laughs> um. I guess over the last sort of three years, I became really fascinated in how our survival thinking, our survival instinct can play out a lot more than I believe people uh, understand it to, to be the case. And and so I started digging into that and started to talk about it more and more and uh, began to work with you on a keynote in 2021. No, 22 was, that was, I think. And um and then I, I just thought there's a book in me and I spoke to a, a couple of people um, in the sort of publishing industry over 12 months ago. And they sort of said, go away and play with the material more, talk to people more, um, understand the practical challenges that people are going through. So I've really been on a journey um, through that with it, really. But I, I guess it was something that I just think is unique. I don't think that... There are many people who are all toy. I mean, if you do a search on Amazon for survival psychology, you might find a couple of books. That'll be about it, really. But talking about it in the way I do in relation to the five uh, ways it can hold you back is is going to be unique for people. And I think that's great to do. I think it's to give people a different way of looking at things um, where I feel fundamentally that survival thinking actually blocks leaders uh, realizing their potential and, and making progress progress in their role. So my main intention really is, is that it will be helpful for leaders and people in general. And I can certainly vouch for that having read it and um, completely agree with you that it's something that's really needed. So how long has it taken? Oh gosh, well, there's, there's a few answers to that. I guess the, the process has been about two to three years, if we talk about it, um, just sort of playing around with material and, and thinking about what might be in the book and what have you. But the serious work where I engaged um, the same publisher, 
the proofreader editor that I worked with for my first book in 2015. That that really started last summer, 2023. So I, I guess the first stage of the writing was about four months. And then it went to test readers like yourself and um, made changes based on that. And now it's gone off to somebody to do a, a detailed proof, read and edit. Uh, I'd imagine nothing that's going to take about two to four weeks, get that back, make further changes and then start to get it ready to go on Amazon, um, get the hard copies printed and all that in readiness for the launch on April the 11th. So, so bit of a stage yeah. journey. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot to it, isn't there? It's not just a case of getting it done and getting it out there, right? Yeah, wow. no, it's true. It's um I must admit when I did my first book, Helen, I which is called PI Leadership, which is all about positive strategies in leadership. I said when I finished that I would never do <laughs> never do another book. <laughs> um but I just really felt with this one that for all the reasons I spoke about before, and also to bring together my own thinking on it. Um, I really wanted to um, bring all that together in something that would be there forever. You know, I think that's a great thing about books, isn't it? That it's um, a legacy piece. But yeah, I think often if you, if you if people are listening to this and they've uh, got an idea of writing a book, um, then there are a lot more things to consider than you probably believe, really, once you start to get into it, like most things in life. Yeah. And, um, the first, I mean, the first book took me about 18 months, I think. I've condensed this um, and we could, we could talk about a couple of strategies around it, but I guess the experience of writing a book before made things a little bit quicker in terms of process as well. And the fact I've done a lot of groundwork. So yeah, not your first rodeo and many lessons yeah. learned from the first time I'd imagine. I think um, obviously there's the content of the book and that comes from all your wonderful experience, but the title of a book can be quite a tricky it might seem quite simple but how did you how did you come about the title of this book uh gosh that was <laughs> that was quite a painful journey really i mean i knew it's going to be called survival psychology but then you get into what's the the subline for it or subtitle and eventually ended up with escaping the mind traps of survival thinking uh, it's the leadership guide because it is focused more at business leaders really um but and i think as we, as you know helen tried a few different options and um it's one of those things actually where i think ultimately i got a lot of opinion which was great but i think then you almost have to go inwards and think what is the best representation of me and this material um, yeah and so i didn't go for some big emotive words um in the end i was going to do things like mashing the shackles of survival thinking i think again you remember we talked about that one but I ended up with this because i think that for me the book is about understanding what's going on to be able to realize your potential and that's more for me about escaping things that are holding you back um rather than necessarily uh having sort of big bold brash words around it but um and and also the image on the book, uh, if people have seen it, is of a saber-toothed tiger. Because that's a big part of this is about the fact that we make small things into saber-toothed tigers and that the origins of our species were very fearful of saber-toothed tigers. And so I guess the whole escaping piece comes into that, really, because um, we escape. We look to escape threats, don't we? <laughs> we do. And that's what 
this book is all about, right? It's about linking that to our, you know, our ancestral thoughts and behaviors and how that shows up in our modern world. And I think the language that you've used there is spot on um, in terms of what you settled with in the end, because you're right. You know, it is, it's about acknowledging these things that we have because of our past, but being able to escape them with, with our logical modern um, environments uh, and mindsets. So, (laughs) well, exactly. You know, we get tripped up all the time with that, but it's about understanding it. And if we can understand it, then we can, we can do more about it. Right. Um, so what about the process that you use? Cause I'm sure lots of people would be interested in that because as you said, you know, it's not a short, it's not a short thing. It actually comes from in a number of different stages, but what was the actual process that you used to write this particular book? Yeah, I've, I've got some ideas from other people and um, I, I, I sort of read books on how to write a book and that kind of thing um, and then picked some ideas myself. So if I, I guess if I share some key points from my journey that were, that may well be useful for people. First thing was I had a box of coloured cards and I would have uh, things like um, – Content ideas would be one colour. Um, another colour might be um, scientific research. Another colour might be tools. Uh, and so I ha- as I was having ideas, I'd, the box, I'd, I'd just write them on a card and put them in the box. So that it was a nice way of just continually... This is what it's like for us all, isn't it? When we have quiet moments, we have great ideas. Um, and so I could just go and jot it on a card, the appropriate card, put it in the box, and then... When I came to more seriously pull things together, um, I could go to the colour coding and, and pull things out. So that that was definitely a useful idea. And however you do that, but I thought that was a really nice idea that I picked up from somewhere. Mm. Um, then for me, I'm, I'm quite a mind mapper. So I got an A3 uh, book and mind mapped the different chapter, the introduction, the conclusion and the different chapters. Um, and started to visually mind map how the material was going to hang together, really. Um, so mind mapping for me works. I mean, whether it does for for other people, but that's a good one for me. Mm. The big thing for me that was different from the first time this time, which was really helpful, was that I then um, literally um, had the mind map almost in front of me and recorded um, me talking through the mind map mm. um, and then using um, transcription software um, created a, a text version of that audio. That for me was a big game changer this time because before I used to get up every morning and just open up the laptop and start typing in text. Yeah. And um, but this time, although you then you've got to go and correct it and, and what have you and embellish it. It was a really good starting point for each chapter to get a number of pages out um, on content and then start. Uh, and then obviously, I say correct it, see transcription software makes mistakes, but then add pieces in as you go along, really. Mm. So that was that was brilliant for me. Um, mm. And I would highly recommend doing that. I'm sure people who write books um, do that kind of thing. Now it's, you know, it's probably quite common currents but yeah that was that was really useful i'll tell you another thing that was good whereas um 
I uh, delved into chat GBT as well from, you know, the AI side. And um, if I was, I mean, I, I've read so many books and, and I wanted to bring in some of that knowledge, external knowledge, what have mm. you. Um, but you could just sort of, you can go to chat GBT. I know things may change. There's a lot going on with OpenAI, Microsoft, with copyright and whatever at the moment. But I would say things like, um, I mean, there's a big book I read by Joseph Ledoux, the neuroscientist, called um, Anxiety. And I just said, can you tell me the main points from the book? Anxiety. Or, for example, when I was talking about consciousness, I might say, what does Joseph Ledoux have to say about consciousness in the book Anxiety? And that was really useful as well, because I'd say in however many words, so you get a condensed version. Um, I don't know if this software is evolving, but I found that useful. It was mm. um, pulling out some and reminded me of some key things I wanted to say from particular books without having to go and you know, sort of trail my way back through the whole books or you know, the whole of a book again. Yeah, that's that was, a top tip, that is. Yeah, great, great. Yeah. Listen, who knows by the time anybody's listening to this podcast episode where things are going to be with that in terms of copyright mm. and what have you but, mm. um, but, but still you know, yeah, for research purposes you know it's about taking that information and then you know using not word for word but using that information in the context of your experience research data studies yeah. and how you're bringing that together to share these ideas which are your ideas based on theory and research and experience right yeah, totally, Helen. Yeah. And I mean, I, I I quote Joseph Ledoux, for example, probably four or five times in the book where I reference him because he's a renowned neuroscientist. And I think he's very interesting in, in terms of what, the way he looks at things like anxiety, consciousness, etc. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that was that was a real um, a really good, a really good uh, supportive thing to do. Yeah. And I'd imagine. Well, I know that it's not just uh a linear process writing a book it's kind of iterative and so what were the key changes that you made along the way in this writing process that's significant for you yeah i think um initially i was going to structure each chapter uh, so again just to explain there are five areas of my survival psychology model um, there's imposter syndrome there is defensive mindset there's ego, group behavior, and negative self-talk. So the book talks a lot about um, how these come about and why they come about, how they can trip you up, and then a lot of practical ideas in each of the five main chapters about how to deal with those. Um, when I first was going to write the book, I thought, oh, every chapter I'll put it into four blocks. I'll talk about the concept. I'll talk about the science behind it. Talk about the way it can provide or bring challenges to leaders and then talk about some tools and practical approaches. But when I started to write it, it didn't feel quite so that didn't feel right for me. And so in the end, actually, I've, I've ended up with each chapter using a lot of almost mini subtitles as you go through to break up the text and um, help with the structuring of it. So, I mean, what I'm hoping with this is that people will read it. Um, front to back when they first get a copy of it but then if they want to go and dip in it's going to be a lot easier to go to a chapter and scan through and say oh that's the bit on consciousness or whatever it might be within a particular chapter or 
you know, if it was a group behavior chapter, uh, or wanted to remind myself what he said about silos or whatever, you know, so um, that was a switch because I was going to do it in four main blocks, but in the end, it's just been more of a that, that structure was loosely kept, mm. but it's more about having um, short, um, short sections really with subtitles so people can, particularly if they want to go back to it, I think mm. it would be useful to do that. So that was one thing. Um, as I said, I kept changing my mind on the subtitles I was writing it, and also. I think it's really important to be mindful of how this material lands. So when I started the book, um, the group behaviour chapter was going to be called tribal behaviour. And a couple of people picked up on that. And um, somebody in particular is an expert in the inclusivity and diversity space and and how it could be uh, seen to be a little insensitive to the use of the word. And then when you dig into the word tribal and I know it's used a lot in relation to groups and has been over time. I remember Seth, Seth Godin's book, Tribes, which was uh, more about from a marketing perspective and how to build your tribes. So I know, people will make their own decisions on use. But for me, as soon as I felt it was a sensitive word, there was no way I wanted to cause any fence with, with anybody um, as a white male, for sure. Mm-hmm. So I, fully enough, actually, going back to chat GBT, put into ChatGBT what what might I use it came up with loads of ideas herd mentality all this kind of stuff but I thought at the end of the day group behavior is quite a simple term yeah. for it and um an inoffensive hopefully an inoffensive term um so I think we've always got to be mindful um when we're doing anything about um the impact and have some understanding on where the use of words or phrases or whatever um, might not come across as, as well as they might. And mm. if they can cause some fence, I would rather not um, go yeah. down that path, really. Yeah. Uh, being yeah. somebody who did a LinkedIn post called I'm Woke and I'm Proud, I thought that was I remember <laughs> it. <laughs> quite important to live up to uh, to that. So just words, you know, the, the meanings of words and people's relationship with words changes over time. And um, mm. tribe... Tribe was a, a really big word, maybe going about 20 years, 10 to 20 years ago. But now we're starting to say, uh, is there some insensitivity around that? There'll be different views on that. But for me, I yeah. thought I, I can take that. I can take that and make a change. So yeah. uh, thank you to Katie Allen for that, who's um, been a podcast guest uh, before on this, because uh, Katie was the one who spent some time talking that through with me. Right. As an inclusivity and diversity expert. So. Yeah. Another great reason to get other opinions because you're going through your lens, your map of the world. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's about understanding how that's going to be received in the best way possible and if a different term can be used. And I think group behaviour is actually a really good way of describing that particular area of survival psychology. Yeah. Um, then, then use that instead. That's a really great insight. Yeah, yeah. And I think the other... Yeah, just finally, the other thing in terms of changes has been um, I've been working with you, Helen, on my keynote for over a year now, uh, just continually modify, improve. And also you've helped me with my TEDx talk, which I'm, as we are having this interview today, I'm about to deliver next week. Uh, <laughs> so putting those together, I think, mm. made me want to go back to the book and maybe change some things in the book as well. And because actually... Doing the keynote 
going out and delivering the keynote to people you get feedback and um, you see what lands well and where people don't understand things as well as they they might and what have you so i think it's good that's almost like testing the material out in a way uh, and getting feedback to change and improve which brings me on to you know the importance of feedback and the importance of test readers really how did you use the test readers yeah, I mean, I used a range of people. Um, yourself, uh, obviously, is somebody who's working with me closely. Um, Charlie Wyman, who's worked with me. The, when I first started up the ideas of, of the survival psychology side, he, from a marketing angle, she was working with me then. Um, and then there were um, some people who I've really respected. Um, not that I don't, I respect all 11 people who did it, but uh, just, just the... Um, mm. Dr. Linda Shaw, who's a neuroscientist, I wanted Linda to just check on some of the accuracy. I'd done mm-hmm. some neuroscience training with Linda. Paul McGee, who's in the Professional Speaking Association, who is known reasonably well for being the sumo guy. Um, so I had a couple of people in the Professional Speaking Association. I wanted to look at it. Some experts in leadership behaviour, as you are, Helen. And then talking to some MDs that I knew. Um, so just a range, I wanted a mm. range of people who were either out there as leaders who, or who were specialists in particular areas who could look at it from different angles. And um, and, and what I said to people as well, and, and interestingly, this was something I didn't do with my first book, and I think it's been a really valuable thing to do. I know it's time consuming and it put more pressure on. But again, if you're writing a book, it's really good, I think, to get some test readers. Um, I said to people uh, who, you know, all kindly gave their time, don't waste your time proofreading because that will be done Mm. further stage down. It was more to get a feel for how does the book land? Would you make from a from a sort of bigger picture angle? Would you make any changes Uh, for some of the people? Were there areas of inaccuracy that you would change or whatever it might be, really? But a really useful process. Get you, and you have to get um, hard copy versions of it printed off, sent out to people so people can scribble on it and then just come back with um, thoughts and ideas. And it was very, very useful. And it was also, the other positive is, um, all the people have done an endorsement for me, <laughs> which is very kind, which I can now include at the beginning of the book so that you've, I didn't do that either with the first book. Um, and we'll ask the same people to do an Amazon review when it's up on Amazon. So it's got a practical benefit in, in getting mm. the feedback. But then all, obviously you've got um, 11 uh, endorsements to put at the front of your book. Because um, we all look for what other people say about things, don't we? We um, do. We <laughs> do. And it really does, you know, cement the credibility and the fact that you've been so thorough in doing this and seeking that feedback from a wide range of of people that are all all relevant in terms of uh, the context of the book, you know, just solidifies the proof of concept not only, but also how it's, how it's being written, how it's being delivered how it's landing as well, which is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So when is it going to be published? Well, uh, as long as they're on, I'm going to touch wood as I say it, um, as long as nothing goes wrong, it's going to be out on April the 11th. And in fact, uh, I booked um, an event at the Nottinghamshire Golf and Country Club, which is where I had the launch for my first book in 2015. Uh, so really excited to be doing that there again. So 
Uh, that's going to be April 11th. The, um, there'll be the opportunity to come along. I'm going to talk about the themes from the book, do a Q&A, do a book signing, and that's all for twenty pounds um, uh, for booking a you know ticket and coming along. And it's lovely venue as well. I'm hoping it's going to be a nice spring morning. Um, you know, <laughs> never know with uh, with English weather. But yeah, it's beautiful surroundings, and um, it's be a great way actually for people to come along and mm. pick up on ideas about the book before, before they're even read it. Understand some of the concepts, ask questions, get a signed copy and do a bit of networking as well. Yeah, and also a celebration, you know, yeah. a celebration of, of, of all of your knowledge, wisdom and hard work that's actually gone into this and how it's going to be a real toolkit for so many people and you can mark that occasion as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. So when it is published, apart from p- people coming to the event and getting the, the copy at the event, how can people get hold of a copy of this book? Yeah, well, it, it, Amazon's going to be the best route, really. Um, so it will be up on Amazon. I think the intention is we'll get it up for pre-orders by the end of January. Um, uh, so that that's really going to be the main route. Uh, I, if I'm out and about and I see people, uh, just come up to, if you want to buy a copy, come up and I'll probably have copies in my bag or whatever but um and if i'm at events and all that kind of thing yeah so you know if you if you want to do it that way that's fine um but otherwise yeah come come to the event um or get a copy on amazon nice and easy that's what we like and it's finally it's what is the most important thing that you want the book to do for others and for yourself I think for other people, um, the thing that's sort of settled in my mind more and more as I've written this and, and sort of played with the material and talked to people is the fact that I do believe it's the elephant in the room, that we all have these kind of challenges. You know, uh, it could be, could be imposter syndrome, it could be battles with negative self-talk, it could be ego tripping us up, whatever it is. We all have these challenges. And I think sometimes we feel like we're the only one because we don't talk about it enough. So in a way, I think it's getting people to realise this is normal. It's not helpful at times, but it's normal. Mm. There's a reason for it. You know, our survival instinct and thinking wants to keep us safe. It just completely overcooks and gets it out of kilter at times, which is where the problems come from. So I think the the normalising of it, and the really, uh, I guess the other two really big things are, first of all, to get a much better understanding of what's going on, because fear is such a big part of the, the human psyche. Mm. Fear, threats, the need to feel, you know, to survive, whether that be physical survival or psychological survival. And um, I think the more we can understand and pause in those moments where we're being hijacked, um, and, and get a better understanding of why it's happening, then you get greater power and control over it. And then obviously the the, the third thing was um, to actually give people, and as you'll, you'll know from reading it, Helen, there's a whole section at the end of each oh. chapter, which is a list of things you can do and tools you can do. Um, so I think it was those three, three mm. things really um, for other people. Mm. It was normalising it, under getting, providing understanding and providing practical ways forward for me 
I guess the, the driving thing for me was to bring together my thinking um, into something cohesive mm. um, that will always be there. And um, and I think I had, a, you know, lots of ideas in my head, talked about lots of things, but just to bring it all together um, was, for me, the, the exciting thing. And obviously, you know, um, my intention is that it will raise my profile as um uh, an expert in this area, somebody who speaks on this area, somebody who works as a leadership psychologist with leaders and, you know, and, and supports with these kind of challenges. So it's obviously a promotional piece yeah. um, for me. Yeah. But, yeah. but definitely to bring my thinking together, that's been a, a really great journey to go on. Yeah. Well, as someone who's worked with you on, you know, in various ways on this topic over the last year and having now read the book and seen just how how it flows in terms of helping people to understand and then those amazing tips as well that you give um for me i reference your subject area of expertise a lot now not only for my in my own mindset when i catch myself um you know slipping into uh the mind traps which we all do you know, sometimes on a daily basis in, in, in really checking in with myself in, in quite, quite a quick way, um, to reference part of your book or something that you said around this topic. And it really has helped me. Uh, and I'm not just saying that I, I genuinely, um, uh, you know, believe that because, um, there's so many things in that book that are so relatable in all areas, not just in leadership, in all areas of our lives. Um, that are really simple to understand, simple to grasp, but also simple to change as well. So um, I'm really excited. Yeah, I'm really excited about this coming out for you. And I totally agree in terms of for you as well, what this will do for you in terms of being a thought leader in this area and also, you know, how you can help even more people by sharing this book. Hey, well, thank you, Helen. And thank you very much for... um coming on the leadership mindset podcast show today and flipping things around for me and uh allowing me to be interviewed I'm, i know I'm, i've got a guest appearance on your podca- podcast series at some point haven't i in you have we, we've got in the can um, so really excited for you with that as well helen thank um, you so what, what share for people listening what's that called then your new podcast series it's called words that change lives and um it's launching well, 15th of January. So at the time of, of recording this, it's launching 15th of January. And it's really about how it's, it's linked with, with this topic, uh, in some ways. It's, you know, how we can really be consciously using our words to increase their impact, to feel more fulfilled, more happy and harmonious and productive in our lives. Yeah. Exciting times, Helen. Wishing you well with that. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you very much. And, um, if anyone, has any further questions around either the book itself or the process of writing a book more than happy to have a chat anytime so uh, please feel free to drop me a line on linkedin or what have you and uh, happy to share but um thank you again helen pleasure if you want to explore your leadership mindset in more detail why not complete our free leadership diagnostic at thetonybrooks.com and subscribe to this podcast to join us for future podcasts.